Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 78 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week I'm in the honey room preparing cut comb and chunk honey, cleaning up after the extraction week, and I've also been in the kitchen cooking up a fabulous honey, taleggio cheese and red onion tart. So keep listening if you'd like the recipe. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me well i don't know about you but i've definitely seen a change in the activity within our colonies this last week the local forage has all but disappeared and quite a number of our bees are now heading into urban gardens to seek out the strange and the unusual for those last few drops of nectar and tiny bundles of pollen One of the most unusual plants I've seen honeybees foraging on here locally is a giant spike of a flower which must measure at least three metres tall and is the thickness of a telegraph pole. It turned out to be a tree echium, at least I I hope that's how you pronounce it. It was huge. If you have a chance to take a look online, then do. They're absolutely enormous. It was actually at a local garden centre which specialises in exotic plants. And while many of our native plants, such as bramble, are all but finished, a lot of these plants seem to be in full flower still. A real blessing for many different pollinators looking for late-season forage. I'd like to plant one of these giant echiums, but I don't think my garden or wallet will take the strain. Maybe I'll stick with the native varieties, Viper's Bugloss being the most well-known, I suspect. It's meant the bees are currently chasing around finding tiny amounts of forage and waiting for the ivy to flower. I've actually seen some ivy at the allotment's apiary almost in flower. Certainly the buds are very swollen and ready. It won't be long at all, I'm sure. This presents a challenge to the bees and beekeeper, where you find it in large quantities. It's a much-needed autumn nectar and pollen source for the bees, and they do really well on it until the temperatures cool down and at some point... The ivy honey granulates solidly in the comb, making it quite difficult for some colonies to utilise effectively. In some colonies, it can form a solid block, preventing bees from moving over or around it to get to liquid honey. And this is where beekeepers who heft and don't notice the hive hasn't really become lighter through the winter find the bees had a full brood box of solid ivy honey, but still starved. Not all colonies struggle with ivy, and some seem not only to work it well, but thrive on it through the colder months. It can also provide a late autumn surplus for the beekeeper to harvest. I know a lot of beekeepers dislike the taste, but actually I find it a really nice, strong flavour. It has a slight medicinal finish. That sounds a little bit like wine tasting, doesn't it? However, one trick you can use to reduce the strong flavoured aftertaste is to either blend it with other honeys or to leave it in the bucket for a few months when that strong taste seems to mellow somewhat. Either way, I really like it. Back to this week, though, and some of my colonies have become quite grumpy. In fact, horribly grumpy. So much so, I would class a couple of them as double glovers. It's an expression that I use to refer to the need to put on two pairs of nitrile gloves instead of the usual single pair. I made quite a big mistake this week as well. I picked up some supers for extraction without putting my boots on, and cracking the supers off the clearer boards really wound them up, and you just know they're going to find the one vulnerable place you've left exposed. 
after several minutes of collecting supers with bees stinging my ankles, I looked like I was walking barefooted across sun-baked sand, hopping and cursing as I went. Funny now, but at the time not so amusing. The colonies will calm down again quite quickly. It's that sudden loss of forage, and this immediately followed by the beekeeper removing surplus honey that seems to get them a little feisty. We have the remaining treatments to put on this week. As I mentioned in the previous podcasts, we're using Apivar this year, and this needs to go into the hives after the honey has been removed, hence the slight delay in some apiaries as we remove the last supers for extraction. As we sorted through the various supers for extraction, though, I picked out a few that were perfectly drawn and capped for cut comb honey. Cut comb honey is the normally rectangular sections of capped honeycomb in a sealed box that you sometimes see in delis. I have some clear cut comb containers that take a small section of comb using a specific plunger type cutter made of stainless steel, but I don't really like it at all. Firstly, the edge isn't particularly sharp, so it crushes its way through the comb rather than cutting. This leads to a rough, jagged edge to the comb rather than a neat, sliced edge. Secondly, the sections are a little small for the containers and don't take into account that my bees aren't aware that they should draw the comb out to a specific depth and then stop. I have thick sections and thin sections, perfectly flat sections and bulbous contoured sections, none of which will win any prizes at the National Honey Show, but as I don't enter the competitions, it's of no consequence, and the honey will taste fantastic regardless. What I prefer to do is use a sharp, hot carving knife kept hot in a steel flask of boiling water and washed each time I make a cut. That way I get a nice straight, clean cut measured exactly to the size of the containers. I get little waste and the customers get a nice full section of cut comb. There's nothing worse than opening a box and seeing the contents are a lot smaller than the box. I'm thinking here particularly of chocolate bars. Using this method of cutting super frames of honey, I can get five nicely sized sections with little waste. Look out for my latest video on Patreon showing this method. I use the same technique for chunk honey. Chunk honey is simply a nice slice of cut comb in a jar of liquid honey. They look fantastic and give the chance to enjoy runny honey, but also experience the incredible flavours of honey straight from the comb. I nearly forgot to mention, if you're thinking of producing some cut comb or chunk honey, it must be from frames of unwired thin foundation, specifically for the purpose, or allow the bees to draw out their own comb using narrow starter strips along the top edge of super frames. If you try to produce cut comb using foundation with wires in, at best you'll have sections with thick central foundation and a thin open slice where you've removed the wires, and at worst, you'll forget to remove the wires and have some very cross customers wanting to have a chat with you, not to mention the local environmental health officer. In short, don't do it. If you haven't produced specific cut comb using the right foundation, then don't cheat this year. Wait until next year and give it a go with the right stuff. Chunk honey is the same. So again, if you haven't been able to produce any this year, don't fake it. There are several other methods of producing sections of honeycomb, and there are a few beekeepers out there with some very novel ways of getting the bees to produce chunk honey directly into the jars. You can buy frames with rectangular sections already set out in thin wooden frames within the main super frame, and also a round version called Ross Rounds, 
I've never used the Ross rounds and I really should give them a go sometime, perhaps next year. I have tried the rectangular sections and find that a lot of the time the bees don't draw out the comb to the very corners, leaving a rather oval-shaped section of capped comb. Because of this, I much prefer to cut out sections of comb and package them individually. I think it just looks a lot neater and nicer, and the customers get a full, decent section of cut comb. If you only have a couple of hives and don't want to produce a full super of cut comb honey, you could always pop in a couple of frames for cut comb and leave the rest as wide foundation. Mark the top bars to indicate which are cut comb, and away you go. If you've never eaten cut comb honey, you should definitely give it a try. The explosion of honey when you squish the comb in your mouth is incredible, and the wax turns into a kind of natural chewing gum. It's weird really, but in a good way. Swallow it or spit it out when you're done, and just enjoy the full-on natural taste. Talking of taste, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I've made a brilliant tart for dinner tonight and thought I'd share it with you, as it has some of my honey in it. I guess it's not an out-and-out honey recipe, as it only has a little honey in it, but it still tastes fantastic and it's very simple to make. The recipe is honey, taleggio cheese and red onion tart, and the only thing you really need to make it is patience. As far as the ingredients are concerned, everything is super easy to get hold of. You'll just need the following ingredients. A pack of rolled-out puff pastry. They come out at about an A4 sheet of paper in size. About... 10 red onions, a small block of taleggio or in fact any other cheese you like, mozzarella might work quite well as would probably blue cheese, a good drizzle of honey as much or as little as you like, some dried herbs, a little balsamic vinegar and some oil to sweat the onions in. I'll post the recipe in the show notes so that you get the full list. So all you have to do is to slice the onions how you like them, chunky or thinly sliced, and pop them into a pan with a little oil to very, very gently sweat them down with the dried herbs. This takes ages. The slower the better, really. It may look like you have way too many onions, but they will reduce down really well. After they've been cooking for a while and have reduced in size and started to turn a little brown, add the honey and balsamic vinegar. Keep cooking to evaporate the water until you get a sticky lump of onions. Allow the onions to cool a little while you prepare the pastry. At this point, preheat your oven to about 180 degrees centigrade. That's about 350 degrees Fahrenheit or gas mark 4. Open out the pastry and with a blunt knife, score a line about 2 inches in from the edge. This is the margin where you're going to put the onions. Pop the pastry onto a baking sheet lined with non-stick parchment and pile the onions onto the pastry and then scatter chunks of cheese on top of the onions. You can use as much or as little as you like. You could make this without cheese and it would be almost vegan. Well, apart from the honey, and I don't really get that, but hey, each to their own. Anyway, brush the edge of the pastry with a little milk and pop it into the oven for about 20 to 30-ish minutes until the puff pastry edges are risen and golden brown. When the pastry puffs up, it acts like a kind of retaining wall for the lovely onion and cheese filling. Serve with anything you like, seasonal veg and roast spuds, boiled new potatoes and salad, or you could let it cool and eat it on its own. You choose. All I know is that I get a stack of brownie points and a nice dinner tonight, so it's a win-win for me, as they say. Those of you who know me will realise food comes a close second to beekeeping, and hopefully I'll be able to share some more recipes with honey in them over the coming quieter winter period. Changing the subject back to the bees, it's definitely time to get preparations for the autumn and winter underway. 
I'm going to be uniting a few colonies this weekend and it's looking like we'll have about six colonies that just won't be able to survive through to the spring. And there's absolutely no point in leaving them to struggle and die out after Christmas. For colonies that are worth uniting as whole brood boxes, I use the newspaper method. It's just simple and quick to sort. For colonies that are really small, I'll use the shake into a bucket method. Again, it's a fairly easy method to use. You just need to get organised and take your time with it. I use this method on colonies that are healthy, but may be queenless or haven't got enough drawn comb and not enough bees to get foundation drawn in time for the autumn. The only proviso to remember is you really need three or more colonies to make this work, without any issues of fighting between colonies. Move all the colonies close to each other over the course of a week or two, a little at a time. On the day of uniting them, open all the colonies and place a large bucket on the floor in front of the hive you intend to use as the one to keep. Find the queen and cage her. If you have more than one queen, cage the one that you want to keep and remove the rest. Next, shake all the bees into the bucket. Spray with a little water and give them a bit of a swirl. Do this with all the colonies so you have empty hives and a large bucket full of bees. Rearrange frames from each hive to make the best use of any brood frames containing good worker brood and frames of stores and place them into the hive body that you're keeping. Leave a gap in the middle large enough to pour the bucket of bees into. Then gently tip the bees into the hive and suspend the queen cage between two central frames once you've replaced all the other frames that you're going to keep. Close the hive and remove all the other equipment well away from the remaining hive. This is really important because the bees will tend to drift back to their equipment if it's close by. Leave them for 24 hours to settle down before going back in and releasing the queen. You might want to put a queen excluder between the floor and the brood body, but I've never had a problem so I don't bother. Adding a feeder with a little syrup also gives the bees something to do and will get them working together. Remember to remove any queen excluders once the queen is laying well. Several weak colonies are now one larger colony, best able to survive the winter and come out strong again in the spring. And don't forget to treat and feed them as normal, and all should be well. Well that's it for today. Look out for the recipe for the honey, onion and cheese tart on my social media feeds and on our Patreon page. And catch up with more of my beekeeping journey by checking out the growing content list there as well. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I hope you have a great beekeeping week and thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. (laughs) 